All right, we're going to get started here. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. How's everybody doing? Now, in Revelations, it said, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Why do, why do the Spirit and the Bride say, Come? Because we are the ones that are making his enemies his footstool. Our faith, our ability to believe that God is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him, is the one commodity that allows the kingdom of God to increase on the earth. And so this morning, the sum total of everything we say, the sum total of all of our praise, of all of our prayers, of all of our prophetic unctions, the sum total of all that, if you could sum up into one thing, it would be this one thing. It would be a sound that says, Come, come, Lord, come, come, Lord, come, come, Lord, come. So as we worship and follow God this morning, I pray that that faith that reaches out to heaven and says, come, that pulls down on the presence of God, asks him to fill this place, will just permeate, filter through your heart. Come, Lord, come, Lord, come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to get back into worship in just a second. And I want you to forget about yourself, to forget about what you need for tomorrow, what's happening this afternoon, because there's a moment right now, like every other moment, when Jesus passes by, and uh, some discern it and some don't know the moment. Some reach out and draw upon the life that is in him. But right now, no matter what you think you need, what we need is a manifestation of the life of God more than we've ever had before. So, Lord, we say today that we long for you. We long for you that you have the words of eternal life. So, Lord, we say, fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place. And we say, Lord, let every... Thing that rises up against the knowledge of God, let it fall to the ground. Let everything that rises up against the knowledge of God come into the captivity of the life and the power of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Let's worship him with all of our hearts. Listen, this is not just a song, you know, to stir up some emotional confidence in us. It is a prophetic declaration of what will unfold in our lives in this next moment. All week long, we are surrounded with fear. We are surrounded with dread. We are surrounded with proclamations that come even out of our own heart. Fear, you know, fear is a kind of faith, and it expects something to happen that hasn't happened yet. And God is saying, I want my people to expect something to happen that hasn't happened yet but something good, something from the kingdom. And it begins with faith that says, He will save. So as we're looking at our lives and at the days in front of us and at the challenges that are going to come tomorrow and this afternoon and the next day, we're saying right now with all of our heart, He will save. So let's not just sing the songs because it's on the banner up there, but let's declare this is what is coming tomorrow for my life and my family and my city and my region, and my company, and my co-workers, and my neighbors. 
This is what will unfold. God will save. You know, we're singing this song today. And it's great that we're singing it. But there's a truth here that God wants to build in every single life in this room. Because in the dark moments, in the moments when, you know, suddenly that that cloud of heaviness and the circumstances don't go as you thought they were going to go. Can you say, can you say, can you say, not can the pastor say, not can the song say, but can you say, well, you're in your prison. He won't let go. He's never left me. What are the out? I mean, this is, this is faith. This is the manifestation of faith. We can all say it while the sun is shining. Oh, this is, I love it when the sun shines. The light is so beautiful. But when the darkness comes, can we say the sun still shines? Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. That is, that is faith. You know, there's so many dynamics to this, but I, a few weeks ago I referenced this book I read as a young Christian. It was called Prison to Praise. I think the last guy's name was Carruthers. I, I, I don't know if he was, uh, I can't remember if he was in prison in Vietnam or whatever it was, but, you know, he obviously referenced when uh, Paul or Peter was in prison and they began to, to worship, and then all of a sudden there's an earthquake and the thing, everything shook and they let free. They were set free, but, you know, it was in the darkest hour, in the darkest hour. This may be a time, this may not be your darkest hour, or it might be your darkest hour. But God's wanting you to be able to say, there's light, there's light, there's light. And here's the thing, can we live like there's light when there's dark? Or are we just waiting that one day there might be light again? God, I pray that you would raise up a people. Lord, right now, economically, we're in Alberta. And we've had three or four years of darkness economically, dark winds. Lord, but I'm wondering if there's a people that can rise in this time and say, this too shall pass. What if our economy wasn't dependent upon the kind of government we were having in office? What if our economy wasn't connected to what was happening with the oil markets around the world? What if our economy was related to what we believed right now in this moment, what we could see, say, in the midst of the darkness, in the name of Jesus, this too shall pass. In the name of Jesus, this too shall pass. So we prophesy right now to our world, to our economy, to this government, to this world, to this, uh, this city, this province. Life. We say life. Life. Life on every side. Not death. Life in the name of Jesus. Hope. Hope, not hopelessness. This is what we're doing. We're lifting our heads. We're not just doing it because the song is saying, but we're activating what we actually believe. What we really believe. Lift your heads. We declare today that you are here. You surround us like the mountains. And there are more with us than are with them. We declare today, we believe.
Yes, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, when you first become a Christian, you're born into this hope. And then God begins to test you, and he allows these little darker clouds to come along. And, you know, we wonder what's happening. And then somebody comes along and says, no, lift your head. He is here. And when they do that, something goes inside of you and touches you, and you're like, yeah. And then you say it because you start to believe it. And then it comes around again, and, and the dark clouds come, and then you begin to think, oh, he's not here. And, and you know better, but you just you go with your feelings, and, the, and he's not here. And then somebody comes along, a preacher, a message, a friend, and says, no, lift up your heads. He is here. Oh, yeah. Eventually, 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 in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of those clouds coming in, you remember. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say he's not here. He is here. And it says that David encouraged himself in those moments. He, he transitioned to a place where he kept that state of mind where, no, God has not left me. And he put his foot down and he said, I'm not going to go there anymore. And then he starts to be the one that goes to others and says, hey, he hasn't left you. Lift up your head. And so where are you in that cycle? It doesn't matter. The cycle remains true. He is here. He surrounds us like the mountains. There's never been a brighter day. Amen. This is Pastor Lanny. He loves kids and he loves Jesus. And he wants to just talk to you quick here. Yeah, what a privilege it is to be here this weekend. We're going forward with a strategy to see the children in Canada raised up to walk in the knowledge of God, the power of the Lord, and just honored to see the same Holy Spirit that's moving through this place to be set free among the children, that there's no big room, little room in this entire building. I just feel the presence of the Lord I was impressed with letting you know that I believe with all my heart there are older warriors in here that are about ready to see receive new orders, and I would encourage you to just embrace that. Those of you that have been walking in the faith real quick, your best days are ahead. I feel it real strong in here. I like this little altar. I like the dance floor, man. It's just, this is kind of cool up here, but I also know that there are younger warriors in this room that are going to receive some old orders, nothing new under the sun. And that's what we get to do here, this uh, service, is we're going to mark this generation, Psalm 78, that we would not hide the things of God from our children, that everything that goes forth in this big room would not be hidden from the children. The same anointing that's on this platform would be the same anointing in every room within this place. So, Father, we come before you today, and we ask that you would mark this generation. Praiseworthy deeds of the Lord would not be hid from this place. I know it won't be, God. I thank you for the warriors that are here. I pray for the older warriors that have been sitting in the faith for a long time. We thank you for your prayers, but you are on the brink of receiving new orders, a new assignment. There are new assignments coming down from this place, in this room, there are new assignments just falling down. You can call them job descriptions. You can call them roles. You can call them whatever you want. An assignment is not necessarily a position. An assignment is a place where you go with God and walk out what he has for you and your destiny. And it gives me great privilege, humbled, 
privilege to be able to be with your children today. I take it very, very serious. I've asked the Lord, who are the children? Who are the children of this place? And so we're going to go try to figure that out here in a second. So, Father, bless them. Bless this service. Thank you for this man of God, his family. Thank you for this leadership team, God. Continue to bless this place, God. Continue to bless this place with a Malachi 4 mandate of the hearts being turned to the fathers and the fathers to the children, spiritual families being raised up with a Joel 2 content that a a generation would walk in an understanding of the hour that they live in and a Daniel 9 lifestyle that they would be found in a place of prayer and intimacy with you, Lord Jesus, all their days, and they would advance the kingdom. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, and we pray that over the children today. In Jesus' name. All right. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for... Your word. I want to thank you for what you're doing in us. And Lord, we say in the name of Jesus, Lord, uh, that what you begun, we believe that you will finish it. So Lord, when you cause us to be saved, when you gave us a revelation of your son, and we became born again, God, that was supernatural. That was divine. That was heaven touching earth. And we pray that every single other moment of our lives serving you will be heaven touching earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Well, this morning when I was coming in, how many of you noticed the snow today? Hallelujah, eh? Wow. I shoveled it all right into the street today because I have the confidence that A, my vehicle can go get over that little hump, but B, by midweek next week, it'll all be melted. So, But you know, that... that that rain, or snow, and snow in our case, and it is the lifeblood of the land, right? We know that. We know that the rains, you know, that's why prophetically in the scripture, it talks about the former and the latter rain, you know, that they would come. And it was a symbol of God's blessing, but it was speaking of God's spiritual favor upon Israel. And so in the same way, we, we see that, that metaphor played out where that the rain of God in our lives is like the rain that comes on the land. We flourish when rain comes, water comes. And so why is this important? Because the fundamental principle around which the kingdom of God is being built is the release of rain. Now, how many of you have been a Christian more than five years? If I were to ask you, tell me about the kingdom of God and its expressions, you could spend hours and hours and hours and hours talking about all the different manifestations, all the different things, whether it's a church or a teaching or a ministry. You know, and some of if I asked you about, well, okay, what ministries are a manifestation of the kingdom of God, you'd probably come up with a different list, every single one of you. But you'd say, hey, this, you know, there, well, there's this ministry and it's doing this for Israel. And there's this ministry it's bringing coats to people in downtown. And there's this ministry and it's, it's uh, evangelism in, at concerts. Or there's this ministry, it's a motorcycle evangelism thing. Or, you know, and all of those things are out there. And these are, these are fundamental expressions of the kingdom of God that are touching the world around us. And we would say, okay, if there's ministry going on, here's one and here's another and here's another. But you know what? None of those things are themselves the kingdom. They are a symptom of the kingdom. Where's my sister-in-law? She's back there. She was going to watch a movie the other day. Anyway, she told me about this movie. And, and it's called The Shape of Water. And I don't know what it's about, except that there's some you know, alien being in there, some kind of water creature. 
But anyway, uh, I don't know if it's from space or whatever it is, but the shape of water, now that just struck me this morning, the shape of water. Because let me tell you what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is water coming into a dry land. The kingdom of God is at its, its fundamental, the most fundamental building block of the kingdom of God is a drop or a current of water. So if, if you're going to, you know, scientists are always about this. They're always trying to find out, okay, what are the fundamental pieces that make up our universe, right? Because we want to understand our universe. So we look at light and, you know, okay, light is made up of photons. And then we're looking at, of course, matter. Matter, we're looking at molecules and electrons and, and, and atoms. And, and, okay, we're saying this is this and that. It's, it's quarks and, you know, string theory and all of these things. These are the fundamental. We're trying to break it down. What is the essential building blocks of creation? What is the, what is the last thing on the rung? Right? What is the, if I'm going to recreate this, where do I start? And that's what we have to find out. Eh? If, if you're going to recreate something, you're looking for a blueprint, you have to go back to what are the fundamental building blocks of this thing. If you and I are called to advance the kingdom of God on earth, we have to answer the same question. Here, oh, now I'm excited. I, I feel like the, 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 the breadth of this understanding. Jesus was trying to get his disciples to understand this. What is the fundamental building block of the kingdom of God? Now, he was saying a lot of things. It says if, if everything that he had written down had been said, all the books in the world wouldn't be able to, f- to fill it. You know, and say like, man, those disciples, in order to be good disciples, they must have been taking heaps of notes, right? Because I got to remember all this stuff. You know, a lot of details here. Well, what do you believe about Israel, Jesus? What do you believe about the rapture? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about hermeneutics? What do you believe about homiletics? What do you believe about, you know, what's your Christology, right? We, we, we love to get and assemble the details, right? Because the details are the shape of, of the end thing. This is the product that we're trying. If I could get this information into you, then you could be the same kind of Christian I am. If the information I have could be given to you, that's the way we think. If you could have this body of information, facts, and details, then you could be the kind of Christian that I am. We're presuming that's a good, good thing. Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not what you need. What you need is access to the same water that I have access to. What you need is what I have. And what I have is, yes, as it's coming out, as it's manifesting in teaching, as it's manifesting in deeds, we do the, these. Are, if you were from a distance, you're looking at me, you could say, okay, what does Jesus do with a day? Well, he gets up in the morning and he goes and he prays. And then he has devotion. He recites Torah scriptures. And then he goes and he does a couple of miracles. Then he comes back and he says to his disciples, hey, do you know what I did? And he explains what he did. And then, you know, you could analyze and structure and look and say, okay, well, this is the ideal Jesus day. Let's, I want to repeat that. And Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's, no, that's not, what you're looking at is the shape of water, what I'm looking at is water. What you're looking at is, is when water comes, and what shape does it take when it touches the earth, you're looking at that and trying to analyze that and capture so as to regurgitate or repeat or reconstruct that very thing that you just saw. I'm saying, all you need is water, 
Let it take whatever shape it's meant to take when it touches the earth. Because the truth is, when water comes and rain and it comes down on my side of town versus your side of town, the shape it takes will depend on where it hit the ground. And you guys... He's saying to them all, he said, you guys are looking at me and you're trying to take notes and trying to figure out. Of course, the ones who don't believe are trying to take notes and to disqualify him. Well, you said this wrong. You said that wrong because in the Bible it says this. And you, know, and you said that. And you know, that's, that's not quite lining up there. And he's saying, listen, you don't understand. You don't understand. So he, he quickly disqualifies their little objection saying, okay, A, you don't understand the scripture or the power of God. But listen, it's not even about that. It, it's about life coming into a world of death. And the imagery that we have from Scripture is that the kingdom of God is the water of God, the life of God coming into a dry and weary land, a thirsty land. It is, and what, what, what he's saying, listen, I, you don't need to understand every single shape that water can take. You just need to have access to water. I got, and this is what happens in religious circles, theological circles. People come, become experts at a saying, you know, they'll be able to list all the different forms water can take. Well, you know, there's droplets of water and there's rivers of water. And this is how a river functions. And so, you know, you'll notice that it, it hugs the ground along there and it's great. And, and then there's frozen water, which is an entirely different thing. It's very interesting. You can you got all this information about the shape of water, but you can't produce water. The kingdom of God is not about understanding all the different expressions that water, all the shapes it can take when it touches the earth. It's about, are you a source of water? That's the only question that God is concerned about in our lives. And when he's looking at us and what he's trying to do is say, listen, what I need, I don't want you to become water experts in terms of the details and the shapes and the vapors of water and water humidity and all the rest of that. I want you to be able to furnish water. The discipleship plan of Jesus is to get you to be a water producer. That's it. So everything he did, and this is why I love John, because John clued into this more than the others. John is, man, he's my hero. I mean, he loved Jesus too, right? John understood the heart of Jesus. He understood that all of these things, you know, and you got all these focus of trying to find what is the most valid expression, et cetera, et cetera. And he said that the most valid expression is the one that is real and authentic and brings refreshing out of your innermost being. And so, so Jesus set up his teaching about the kingdom simply around this metaphor, and he referred to it again and again, of water. And so let me read a, a couple of passages here. Um, it's, it's my go-to theme because I love the fundamental building blocks thing because I feel that that as the church is trying to find what is it that makes what is it that makes the kingdom increase and what we do is we go over to Bethel where we go to you know Australia to uh, Hillsong or we go to you know years ago was the the vineyard and this so, so we go and we find out what shape is the water taking when it manifests here that's what we're taking. When you when you go and grab somebody's culture, something. What shape does the water take when it when it hits the ground here? And we're we're going to import that into our church. So we're going to bring vineyard songs. Now we're going to bring the value of vineyard songs is not that they were vineyard songs, but because they had water in them. And there are people that are more connected with the impact of the songs containing the water than the water itself. And God is saying, what's most important is the water. 
Well, what if we just got all these songs and these containers, these systems, these plans, these programs that clearly have water in them and import them into our church? There's nothing wrong with that, but it's one step removed from the fundamental building block, which is water. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find a people who can back up in their process to say, what is the essential thing? What is, like, the kingdom of God is exposing here, and these guys, I mean, I, I went to Israel, and there's these Messianic Jews, and I went in their prayer, and they're doing this thing about Israel, and it's so exciting, and it just speaks to me. This is what the church should be about. No, it should be about water, but it's going to take shape this way in this place. Well, it should be about feeding the poor because I just have such a compassion for the poor. And we should be feeding the poor and going and feeding the poor. And, you know, if we feed the poor, then the kingdom will come. Yes, feed the poor. But it's not about feeding the poor. It's about the water that was coming out of your being of somebody. And it, the shape it took as it came out of their being because of the gifting and the person they were was, was, was benevolence. Hallelujah. What made that thing powerful and expression of the kingdom isn't that they were feeding the poor. It was that water was coming up out of them and it took the shape of feeding the poor. And you can imitate the shape that water takes and yet not have the water coming up out of your life. And what do you have? You have an empty system that looks like what somebody else did when water came out of them, but without the benefit of the water. So Jesus... And John regurgitated these things again, focused on, man, I could just, I, I just see John when Jesus is saying these things because he's the only one that recorded them, some of these things. He was the only one that clued into them and said, this here, this is a, you're all fuzzy. This is a fundamental building block of the kingdom. This truth right here, this is a pillar of the kingdom. I need to understand this. So this is what he says. It says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He, this is what he's saying. The fundamental outcome of faith is that you become an access point for life to come into the world. When you believe, the fundamental activity that happens to all that believe it happens to all that believe. The evidence of faith in those that believe is that water's coming out of them. I'm not talking about sweat. I'm talking about when they, what, what they're doing, does it have the qualities of life? Does it have the qualities of inspiration? Does it have that in undefinable substance that is not earthy? See, that's what Jesus was doing because the, the disciples are watching him very carefully and the Pharisees are watching. What is he saying? What is he not saying? Is his doctrine right? And the, there's all these criteria by which he's being analyzed by different people. And he's saying, listen, if I could just get you to see past the layer of the things that you're looking at to see that the fundamental thing is that there's life and there's death. And the words I speak to you, they are life. The words I speak to you, they are life. So he says the fundamental expression of faith in your life is that water will come out of you. Life will come out of you. Now, this is, unfortunately, this is just a metaphor, right? Because he can't say the kingdom of God is this. So, you know, we could, you know, somebody somewhere is probably getting water bottles and squirting them out of their mouth, you know, in order to look like they're doing that thing, right? These artificial forms of spiritual truths, I mean, it just happens again and again. It might not be that quite, quite that ridiculous, but it almost gets that way. Let's go back to the, the, the beginning when Jesus started to talk about some of these things. And One particular crisis here, because I feel like 
like we are at this place where God is starting to 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 get us packed. So we we've we've looked at the kingdom of God. We've looked at the life of God. We looked at the these expressions and we've broken it down, broken it down, broken it down. And we're very, very close to getting to one of the primary building blocks. But there are still places where we get taken out, where we get distracted by not the building block, but a very early expression. Well, it's all about worship. Well, it's all about prayer. Well, it's all about, you know, evangelism. Well, it's all about church building and planting. Well, it's all about missions. It's all about all of those things. But go back one step further to the genesis of this thing. Light shines in the world. Life comes into the world. So, Jesus says a couple of things here to them in John 6. And it's, uh, I'll try and break this down. It's a little bit complicated, but you know this, this scenario. He, uh, <laughs> he starts telling them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's like, oh man, in the list of things that are hard for us to handle, this is a big one. Okay, now we're supposed to eat your flesh. We're, we've got to cannibalize you and drink your blood. Okay, man, this makes no sense at all to me. And so, obviously, everybody's struggling with this. It says very clearly, it says some, um, some at this point cease from following him. And his disciples, like, you know, Peter, James, John, these guys, they said... This, this is hard. This is really hard. <laughs> this is really hard. Life is hard. Now, you have to realize, I'm trying to not just read verbatim the whole thing, but later on he says, I said this because some do not believe. All right? I said this because some are looking at something lesser than the actual essence of the kingdom. The essence of the kingdom is the release of life. And when it's released, it takes this shape and 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 this shape. And people are looking at the shapes that it takes, and they're, de- they're deciding based on who they are and what they think, which of these is better, which of them is worse, which ones they'll accept, and which ones they won't accept. Particularly theologically. They're looking at this. They're analyzing the words coming out of my mouth. And this one here, so, so I've done the same thing I've always done. I've released water here. But the shape that it's taking is now distinctly awkward for those that don't believe. Because, you know, some of you are coming along, but you thought, well, you know, this, this guy could be all right. You know, he, he, uh, he, he, he's 5 foot 10. He's not too fat. He's, uh, he's not very good looking, but, you know, he's... And so they, they have their own criteria as to why they're... And he's saying these nice things about Israel. I'm pro-Israel, so, you know, being a Jew and everything, I, they're following his ministry. And then all of a sudden he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Well, this is obviously contrary to the word of God. I can't do this. Now, Jesus, Jesus knew this was not literally what he was asking them to do, but he didn't tell them that. He didn't say, yeah, no, hey, don't leave. Come back. I, it's, just, it's just a picture of something, you know. Why did he let them go knowing it was just a misunderstanding? Because it, it filtered out those who believe from those who don't believe. 
And he was filtering. He was sifting those who believed from those who didn't believe. Well, what is there to believe? He's saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What there, what there is to believe is, do you see words that are anti-Bible right there, or do you see life in that? He says, he says to, you know, Peter says, do you want to go too? And he, Peter says, man, this is hard, but, you know, to whom shall I go? Where shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. That's what I'm talking about, Peter. That's what I'm talking about. Is that, is that you cued in, not because it was theologically consistent with your present position, but you cued in that it was life, despite the fact that it was very caustic to your present theological condition or position. Father, I pray today that you would divide, you would sift our hearts. Lord, that you would sift the criteria that we are using to determine our choices today as to what is the kingdom, what isn't the kingdom, what is, what is right, what is wrong, what is, what is acceptable, what is... Lord, all of the criteria, all the lists of we, that we have in our heart that are telling us what we're going to give ourselves to. Lord, you said you want to bring it down to one thing. Is it life or is it not? Instead, we have all of that. Father, deliver us from all of these other things. This is what he was doing in his discipleship with these guys. He's saying, listen, I just want you to be able to see the difference between water and not water. And at other times he said, listen, I want you to see the difference between life and death. So right there he switches up the, and he say, the, the, the language and he says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Now, man, I know. Right now, this is messing with some people's heads here. So I can feel the minds trying to get around it. It's don't try to get around it. Don't try to get around it. Don't try to understand it. Because the word of God is coming to create a capacity in you to discern spirit and life. It's not about getting your ducks in a row. That'll come later. Let me tell you, anytime God does something in your life, and the more significant the thing that he does, the longer it's going to take you to understand it. So he's trying to do this thing inside of us. We're separating effect from Genesis. And he's saying, listen, I need you to orient around the Genesis of what comes from me, what comes from heaven. It's life and it's spirit. And you have, you have learned to accept things because in your church tradition, you've been told uh, the kingdom of God should look like this, it should look like this, it should look like this, it should look like this. So you're using all of those measures that you personally are, are, are in charge of and you're applying it to decide whether this is life. And what I want you to do is forget about those things and go back to the root. Is this spirit in life? Well, but it's so, it seems so subjective. I don't want something that subjective. I want something objective. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to preach a little bit more, but yeah. We are, we are inviting the Holy Spirit because I believe that we are at a critical point in the, as God is creating a people who will manifest the kingdom of God as Jesus manifested. It's going to be a people that are oriented around the same critical building block that he was oriented around. And this is the issue, is that, is that we have found safety in, in an expression, a shape of water that agrees with us, agrees with a certain part of our tradition or agrees with our particular passion or agrees with our, our gift set. 
And, and, it's, and that's great. You can acknowledge and endorse those things. But what happens is you can't endorse anything less than that. You can only endorse something that looks like what you think the kingdom looks like. But he says the kingdom is invisible. The, the kingdom is supernatural. The kingdom is mystical. The kingdom is spirit and life. Can you see it when it's only spirit and life? Or does it only once it takes shape, only once it looks like a package you're familiar with, can you say, ah, oh, yeah, now I'm okay. Wow. Well, now people are getting saved. They're praying the prayer. You know, they're acknowledging the four spiritual laws. Okay, this church is okay then. We take safety. We take refuge in the shape of water when it touches the earth but not in the water itself. And he's saying, he who believes in me is connected to the water. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name, we want to be born of the Spirit. Lord, we want to be born of the Spirit. We want to be connected to the life of the Spirit. And every single one of us, when we became born again, Jesus said this, you must be born again. And when he said you must be born again, The capacity that comes inside of you when you're born again is you are able to identify what is of the Spirit. You're able to identify what's of the Spirit when you are born again. But what happens is voices come into our life and say, well, well, this guy talked like that, but then he fell off the, the wagon and he went off theologically and he went off here and he started this thing. So you can't, you can't trust that. You, let's put some barriers around that. Let's, let's put some qualifiers that will make sure that we're safe. And Jesus is saying the qualifier is your capacity to know life. He said, Peter, you're facing a choice today. You can go with what you think you know, or you can go with that part of you that says, this is life. The shape is taken. Man, I struggle with this, but I feel that life. I feel that witness of the Spirit. We are choosing whether we're going to be people of the Spirit or people of a particular shape of water. Father, so I made a little list. What criteria determines whether we receive into us, where we, our defenses go when something is said? What, what is the criteria that we have? Well, for some of us, it's the expression. Was it, quote, unquote, loving? Yeah. Because when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and called them, you know, whitewashed sepulchers, he did it in a loving way. I'm sure they didn't think that. Love is not the softness or the harshness of the words or the delivery. So that sort of, uh, as a shape of water, as a qualifying criteria, that throws that one out. Somebody went to a Pentecostal church and that guy yells. We'd, I'd never stand for somebody yelling at me in my church. Okay, so for you, what comes from God is never can never be yelling. That's your criteria. That's your filter of what you receive or don't receive. Well, 
I, I will listen to somebody if they're inspirational. If they move me to action. If they inspire me. So then all the people you listen to are evangelists, kind of larger-than-life figures with lots of personality because that's the criteria that qualifies. That's the shape of water that makes you feel that, oh, this is God. Well, I like it when somebody's unveiling a mystery, when somebody's giving detailed insight into the mechanics of the you know, the interface between the kingdom of God and this world. And, you know, they're, you know, Lance Walnell kind of thing where, you know, that, that you know, that, if it, if it has that, then, man, I'm all in. But, you know, if it doesn't have that, if it's not revealing the mystery of God, then, you know, I'll just steer away from that. And then there's others are, it has to move me emotionally. If I'm not moved emotionally, uh, you know, it's, 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 they made me feel something. That person, when they spoke, they made me feel. Ah, I can't tell you how wrong that is. But it's another one of those things that makes us feel safety. Well, when he shared, I cried. That must have been God. So, Father, we want to lay on the altar today all of our preconceived notions we want the ability to say, this is the kingdom, but this also is the kingdom. And this, and this, and this. Because, not because of what it looks like at the end of the day, but because of its genesis, because of its essential substance. There's life in this. There's life in this movement. There's life in this stream. This ministry is a part of the river of God. I know what water's like, and there's water all over this. That's why I receive it. God, we pray that you can make us a people who know the voice of our Savior, the voice of life. You said the words I speak to you are spirit and life. God, we want to be ones who operate in spirit and in life. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. God, when you came into our lives, you said those who are born again, not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, but by the spirit, God. We want to connect to the Spirit. So what I feel like God is wanting to do is we're just giving him some expression somewhere that is the this is safe stamp. What's the stamp that you put on something that says this is safe, this is God, that's not whether or not it's life, whether it's not it's Spirit. Anything more than that is a shape of water. We've got to be about the water itself. Jesus said to Peter, when he said, who do, who do men say that I am? Again, he wasn't looking for the right theological answer. He said, when he said those words, say, you, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right away, what did he say? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And on this, I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build my church on this. What is? On what? On the fact that you got water from heaven, Peter. I, there was water 
There was life in what you said. I felt it. Man, this is great. Peter, this is what it's all about. You didn't try to frame the right theological words according to the Talmud and the law and all of those things and, you know, mixing in with what you thought you wanted me to hear. You heard from God, and I felt the water on it. That's why this is from the kingdom. I, we need to be experts in what comes from the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Not what fits my grid. The church... When you look at the church, there's people camped in little safety places with big walls. And the big walls are, these are the things that are safe. And we're hiding behind our walls that are safe. And Jesus is saying, listen, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's the safest thing that you can have. Being oriented around life. Being oriented around that which overcomes the world. Because the shape of water will change with every generation. The shape of water will change with the nature of this nation and that nation and this culture and this age group and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we train generations to orient around the shape of water. Well, I like songs that are like this. This is when I feel the presence of God, when we sing this kind of song. And we already lock them into an expression that's more carnal than it is spirit, more earthly, more natural. And God is saying, my people are going to be people that are born of the Spirit and know the Spirit. And out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Because God says, I'm going to fill the earth with the rains of heaven. I'm going to cause the fountains of the deep to well up. And every single one of you is going to be a fountain of life. Not a propagator of a shape of water, just a furnisher of water. Thank you, Father. So we're presenting to the Lord. This, this is what I deem safe, and I hide behind that thing. And everything, I'm always analyzing whatever comes at me. I'm always analyzing it. We could break it down to emotional. We could break it down to intellectual. A lot of people come and listen, looking, listening for, was well, anything he say not consistent with what the scripture said? Pharisees did that to Jesus. And Jesus said, well, A, you misunderstand me. B, you don't really know the word or God. So let me explain it to you, he says. But they're still not convinced because they're all about a shape, an expression. So Jen is going to share a little something, and then she's going to release her spirit. And uh, we're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to come and do something in our life to make us entirely dependent upon you and you alone. Uh, one thing that I really depend on is my own brain, um, my own ability to logically think through things. And um, the Holy Spirit has been conversing with me lately about his sword. And in the word, um, it talks about how the sword divides, um, how it can divide between soul and spirit. And... Uh, when we talk about soul, we often talk about mind and emotions. 
And I think that what Pastor Mark is talking about today is about attachments. How we can become attached to a form. We can become emotionally attached to it because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel good. Uh, It gives us a sense of um, belonging. Um, But for me lately, the Holy Spirit has been coming and, and exposing where my attachment to form is really about my root of fear and my lack of trust in him. How when I lean into a form, uh, like Pastor Mark said, I can hide behind it and um, not have to surrender the things that I'm afraid of. And for me, that's very much about control, being in control. And I just, I'm just feeling this strong sense that if we can identify the forms in our life that we rely on, um, for me, it's going to be about using that mind to be in control, reasoning through everything. That's going to be the one that I'm going to bring to the Holy Spirit today. Uh, but I have this sense that when I bring that to the Holy Spirit, he's going to want to bring his sword to that. He's going to want to bring a division between soul and spirit. What is simply my emotions? What is simply my fear? And what is life? What is spirit? And I feel like that is a bit of a painful process for us. Because if we've identified with something for a long time, a certain way of thinking, a certain way of behaving, a certain way of being in control, however that is, it's very painful to let the Holy Spirit come and bring that division. But we must live in the Spirit. We must worship Him in spirit and in truth. For me, I cannot keep doing what I'm doing because it's actually going to destroy me. Um, There are times that I am so lonely for God, but so afraid to let him come and bring his sword. And so today what I want to do is I just want to surrender what I'm holding on to here. I want to surrender what I feel the need to be in control of, because there's more. And so I just feel like what we need to do is bring our stuff to God that we hold on to, that's in our fight circle. In other words, I'm not letting go of this. It's a little too scary. I believe in it too hard. I've identified with it for too long. We need to bring that to God. We need to come close to the Holy Spirit and let him bring his sword and divide between soul and spirit. What is us? What is him? What is truth? What is lies? So I'm just going to pray for a minute here. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. We love you so much. We long for you. We're, We're lonely for you. We need you. We want you. 
we want to come in a position of humility and surrender today and offer you those things that we hold on to tightly, those forms, those those ways of doing life, those ways of thinking, those ways of relating to others. We want to bring them to you in an attitude of surrender today, in an attitude of trust. This is our act of worship to you, this surrender. This is our way of saying that we're going to trust you. We're going to trust the love behind the sword, the mercy behind the sword. And we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bring your sword and you would divide between soul and spirit right now. In Jesus' name, that you cut through, cut through, cut through, cut through the darkness. We ask that there would be a clarity that would come in as to what is truly you and what is us. And I'm asking you to cut it away in Jesus' name and let it fall. Holy Spirit, come baptize us again with your power, with your presence, with your truth, with your anointing, with your fullness today, God. We want to come into that water. We want to encounter that water today, Holy Spirit. You, 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 not me, not my agenda, not my truth. You, Holy Spirit, come cleanse us. Cleanse us of the defilement of this, Lord, today. And make us like new. Consecrate us unto you. Cleanse us, Lord. There's a scripture that says that where I am weak, there I am strong. You know, Peter was a man of amazing courage. He was a strong man. And maybe that was the initial reason he was attracted to Jesus. He saw this guy standing up against the religious establishment of the day, and he thought, that guy's got courage. Look at him standing in the marketplace saying those things. The Pharisees right there. I love that kind of courage. He's kind of like me in some ways. And so he connected with Jesus on that basis, and when Jesus started talking about, you know, you're, you're all going to betray me. It's like, uh, yeah, no, these guys might, not me. Don't you know? I'm, I'm known for this. This is where I really shine. And nobody denied Jesus like Peter did. Where you think you're strong, where you think... What you lean on, what you lean into for your confidence, that's going to be your Achilles heel. That's why God is trying to get rid of these these things because our confidence has to be what comes from above. What he reveals, what he speaks, that's what I want. Lord, we are lost unless you reveal. God, we don't know, even know how to do church unless you're revealed. We don't, we just want the water. We're just focusing, Lord, we just want your life. We just want your life. We just want your life. 
And as soon as it begins to build something that enables our confidence to shift from this to that, we've lost something. And I've found believers time and time again, they keep going back to the same style churches because there's something about that style. Well, this one has this, this one has the love, and this one has the faith, and this one has this. And these guys are, they're solid on the word. And, and, and we go to what we think safe. And there is a God-born diversity in the body of Christ, and there's a fear-born diversity in the body of Christ. We want the God-born version. So he's doing this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, Father, we say, do what you need to do. But we want to uh, tap into what Peter tapped into. These are words of life. So that tomorrow, God, when we hear... A young generation, a guy with tattoos preaching the gospel, but it has life on it. We're not going to dismiss it because he's not in the appropriate attire. I mean, who would anoint a man with a beard? So we want to let all those things go, whatever they are. Amen? Because Jesus is going to set us free. Amen.